Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. If you're ready, and this is what I'm going to talk about today, being ready. If you're ready, if your heart is not so overcharged with other stuff and the distractions, you will let God move in you to lead and guide you. But the problem is we rationalize. I don't know that guy. That'd be weird. What would he think? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I've did this. How could that be God speaking to me? Is that God? Is that the flesh? Is that the devil? Is that the pizza? You know, we're like, <laughs> we're so self-centered that we rob each other from the power and the majesty of God. I mean, God is sovereign in his kingdom. You know what I mean? He's given us dominion over this place to co-labor with him. But when we are functioning in accordance with his kingdom, it's his way and only his way. Amen? And he wants to lead us that way. It's unfortunate that we hear stories like that, and we think that that is the mark of being spiritual. Like, we think that's the mark of being mature. Well, I don't hear God tell me things about other people. Yes, you do. You just ignore it all the time. We do. I'm telling you. I love, you know, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago, you know, and you can't really build a doctrine out of this, but it's so practical. My pastor, Jim Richards, tells this story, and God had called him to go. He's done crazy crusades all over the Philippines and just different places. And he had one time in the Philippines where like 5,000 people were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit like that. And uh, he said God had called him to do something, and it was a big deal. And he was asking, well, God, why me? What's the, this is a big deal. Why, why are you asking me? And God said, well, you weren't my first choice. <laughs> That's what he heard. I... Love that. I love that. That gives me comfort. Because if I miss it, maybe you'll hear it. Right? That's why I love when you guys participate in this. You know, I mean, this is not, this is not the Pastor Clint show. I don't want it to be. I'm doing my part. You do your part. Because this community needs us to be doing our parts together. Because as we... It, we're... Uh, Laura's outside, but, you know, she was compelled by love for you to get up here and share that message. We do, unfortunately, have some circles where people get up and share testimonies, and they want you to look at them, right? I mean, let's just be real. But, you know, and, and we sort, you got to sort through that stuff, you know? It's like, hey, I prayed for somebody, and their leg grew out. Look at me. And it's like, okay, well, praise God. I'm okay. Okay. Oh, man. So, and, and it's, the, the body needs to grow up, the body of Christ. You know, we need to stop thinking of ourselves first in regard to how we're going to function within the body. And it's like we're worried that somebody else is going to be blessed at our expense or if I give this, then they'll have this, and I want, you know, we, we're kind of like a, 
we're carnal in our thinking in some areas. I was, I'm, can I just kind of speak from my heart? For, I've done some really detailed teaching in the past month, and so I'm just going to, I do have some scriptures here, but during worship, I was thinking about this, and this is something that I've, I've, I've asked God to cultivate in my heart, and there are moments where I experience this, and the this is this. <laughs> they, the, I, don't, I forget what they call it, um, but I remember during worship that astronauts that break the, uh, the barrier and are in space and they look back toward the earth, it's like a common experience that they have. Does anybody know the term? Anybody heard of this? Mm-hmm. They, it's, it's like, it's, it's very interesting. Go home and Google it. I forget what, there's an actual effect that they call it. But they experience, after you know, being that far away and looking at the planet, they experience the human race as a collective organism rather than a bunch of individuals. Now, we are individuals, but it's, I, it's an interesting thing that happens, and they, when they try to explain it, and there's videos on YouTube about it, but when they try to explain it, they lose words. It's, 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 a, it's a connection that they feel to everyone on the planet. And I thought, that's interesting, God. I wonder, do you have to go to outer space to experience that, you know? And so I kind of just gave him my heart in that area and said, I, I would like to experience that. I'd like to know what that felt like. And he reminded me, if Mike's putting his jacket on, he's probably cold back there. Maybe somebody bumped that air up one degree, Some, somebody who knows how to do that. Maybe just one. But, you know, you, you think about, like, and, and I'm not really trying to make a political statement or anything, but you think about in times of uh, the early part of our nation. And you, I don't know if you've ever gone back and read some of the letters of what motivated those people to lay down their plows and pick up guns and go fight for an idea, for a people. There was such a selflessness in that. In fact, they were willing to give their lives for what it would mean for the future of their family and their friends and this idea of freedom, right? We don't have that mentality. I mean, it's, it's, we think that that's an American idea, but it's really not an American idea. It's a body of Christ idea. It's a kingdom idea that we serve one another for the betterment of their lives, and we are blessed in the process. See, that's the problem that we have, and it, it, it's politicized, but it's really a human race issue that we want ours at your expense, or I don't care what happens with you. I just want mine. And the kingdom way says, the more I pour out, the more I am refilled and experience. It's more, it's more of a blessing to give than to receive. You know, I mean, people that are generous, you know that. And I'm not just talking about dropping money in the offering plate. I'm talking about when you do something for someone that they absolutely cannot do for themselves. And you know it, and they know it. It's humbling for the person that's the receiver because you don't feel worthy. Somebody chooses to do something for you, right, that you can't do for yourself. You think, what do they want? What do I have to do for this? I don't qualify, you know? And we do that with the life of Jesus. Jesus, God gave us Jesus, everything he had to give to be a blessing to us because it's an incredible blessing to the Father to be good to you. God is blessed 
when you experience salvation. Think about it. As a parent, as a father, as a friend, as someone who's ever given anything to anyone. How, I mean, it's not just that it makes you feel good, like in some selfish way. And we do selfish things like that too, but it's like, no. I, I can affect your being. I can affect your mind and your soul and your life with this. And we devalue and diminish what God did for us because we don't feel worthy. And religion is more than willing to come right in and say, that's right, you aren't worthy. In fact, you'll never be worthy. God's probably beating you up right now. God's probably punishing you right now because you're not worthy. And he's sitting there going, God is telling that person, you are robbing me of a blessing because I can't be a blessing to this person because they're shutting me out thinking they're not worthy. We do that. We think we're not worthy. We, we think we're in control or we carry this guilt and shame and it stops what we're going to let God do for us. You know, we, this picture of God, of you know, we're not under God's eye of scrutiny. We're under his eye of adoration. I mean, really, when you think about who God is and what kind of being he is and the nature of how he looks at mankind, it's always been through love, but there is the justice side as well. So before blood was shed for the remission of our sin and the sin of the whole world through Jesus, when God would try to touch us, there had to be the cleansing. And for some, that means death. Like when, when absolute purity and holiness reaches through the envelope of time to touch a human life, that life better be perfect. Or it, it can experience it. Are you following me? <coughs> and this is what we still think because we don't really fully understand the gravity, the depth, the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ. It is shocking to me how flip-flop we are in our theology in how we express what it's supposed to look like to follow God. And it's mostly from the, mostly from the pulpits. You know, most people in the body just want to get along. They can let the Catholics be the Catholics and let the Baptists be the Baptists and let the Charismatics be the Charismatics, but the preachers can't. So the body of Christ, I think, is in its 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it thinks it knows everything. <laughs> it's idealistic. If it would be this way, then it would all work out. It thinks it knows everything. It thinks it knows better than any other person that came before it. Right? That's what you think when you're in your 20s. It's like, they didn't know anything. We need to grow up. And, and see, because the church is idealistic, when you start talking about being more open or more uh, less legalistic, it starts to think you're, you, be, you become accused of compromising. Well, you're compromising. I'll never compromise. It's this, and this is the line, and never. It's like, okay. I understand that. 
I get it. I appreciate that. But what is it that is actually going to reach the world? And it's love. Well, if a Muslim shows up and swinging swords at me, I'm defending. Well, defend yourself. Okay. But love. I mean, really, you know, it's like it reveals to me what we think love is. We think it's weakness. You know, the body of Christ at large, unfortunately, thinks that love is, it's like either something you learn at the beginning and you move on from it, or it's perceived as being weak. Like to say that love is the actual strategy for the body of Christ to reach the world, that's the only strategy that Jesus gives us. And I've mentioned it the past couple of weeks, and it's just the the cry that I think God is trying to wake up in the body of Christ is unity. I mean, Sally shared, was it last week? The conference, you know, that's the word. I think that's what God wants. And it's not that we all compromise. It's not like we all throw our beliefs in and we just wash everything down, whitewash everything to where it's kind of like this compromised version. It's like, no, that's not what it's about. There's a bigger picture, and that is the world needs to believe that God sent Jesus. And the only strategy Jesus gives us is love. And it's not weak. Love is not weak. It's incredibly loving to stay strong. Yes, in your beliefs. We think it's like, well, I'm not compromising on, you know, I had a conversation yesterday. I, I had the honor of performing the ceremony for Ad, uh, Adam. I've done these three weddings, but uh, Philip and Amanda. <laughs> it was beautiful. And uh, so they're married off now, and they're all heading to Destin for a little while, but there was a conversation uh, about the, you know, the gay issue in church, and I'm not really going to go into it, but it was like my answer was surprising to this guy because I think I knew where he was, you know, in that he was kind of checking to see what another pastor might think of this, you know, because of his maybe where he was. I don't know for sure, but it seemed that way. And his answer was like disarming. You know, he, there was kind of a, he expected a resistance and it wasn't that I wasn't resisting, but it was my, my answer was welcoming. And, you know, I'll use the word inclusive, but that doesn't mean approval. Like, it's like we, we should be able to have conversations about that type of stuff. And yes, not compromise what the Bible says, but express it in a loving way where they say, because I'm telling you, God has revealed his truth to everyone. Everybody knows it's just what, how hard is your heart? But the truth has been revealed to everyone. I'm not saying everybody's saved. I'm not saying everybody has the Spirit within them. It's just that the Spirit of God has already been poured out on all flesh, like Peter said. That God has revealed Himself to everyone. No one has an excuse. Everybody knows they got a daddy. You know, those of you that are into street witnessing or cold witnessing where you're, you know, you're, you're leading toward uh, 
leading them to Christ, talk to them as if they already believe. Because when you do, it's, it's disarming and it begins to feel familiar to them because they've already heard the voice of God. I'm telling you, it's true. But, you know, we, we, if you think about just relationships in general, your most healthy relationships, the relationships where you feel the most loved and accepted, the relationships where you feel the most safe, are relationships that are healthy with those people, that are, they're encouraging to you, there's a mutual uh, nurturing of each other. There's kind of a mutual blessing of each other. You know, there, there, there's, there's safety in that. There's encouragement in that. It's because we thrive in that environment. You don't thrive in the environment where you think someone's constantly looking over your shoulder to point out what you've done wrong. You ever had anybody in your life like that? It's just always picking you apart. It's difficult to be around those kind of people. You can't be yourself around those people. You're always hiding. There's an insecurity there. That's not how God wants our relationship to be. God knows that you thrive and produce the most fruit in an environment of encouragement and nurturing and hope. And, and, and it's like, how is that lopsided? How is that not preaching the whole counsel of the word? How is it to say that, yes, God expects fruit? Absolutely, we're not denying that, that it's in the word of God. It's what he wants. You know, where there's been a mistranslation that if you don't produce fruit that you're taken away or cast away. That's a horrible translation of that word. It actually means lifted up. If you're not producing enough fruit, don't ever worry about God throwing you away. He's a gardener. What he will do is he will come and support you and strengthen you and put you in the best position to produce fruit. And he does it with encouragement and love and with his grace, his grace shed abroad in your heart, his love shed abroad in your heart. So you will be strengthened in your inner man to be filled with the fullness of him, to be filled to the measure of the fullness of him. And it's through encouragement. You know, most of us, I think, have transitioned through this idea of, yeah, okay, I get it, God's for me. But there's kind of this day-to-day -day thing where it takes a while to get this perspective saturated down into your heart. You know, I'm looking at Paul over here, and, and I love the testimony, and maybe you can share it at some point or even address it, but he's gone through a pretty difficult surgery. I mean, you know, life-threatening at some point. And uh, his, his message to me and what I took most out of this was that he's had such a transformation not just from being here, but because of how he sees God, that the questions of why am I in this situation? God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? What Have I done something wrong to have this? All of that, gone. You didn't, even, you didn't even have those. And how freeing is that? Tremendous. Yeah. We'll give him... Y'all pray for Paul. He's, he is doing incredibly well, and I'm ready, I'm ready to hear, hear you preach. 
because I know you got a message coming on this side of that thing. But it's like, you know, that's not what the world is experiencing mostly from the body of Christ. You know, and, and I'm not trying to church bash. That's really not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to cast the vision that someone has to model to our believing brothers and sisters and family members how the church should function. It's like parenting. People don't do, kids don't do what you say, they do what you do. And the church is mostly focused on saying rather than doing. It doesn't matter what you say. It's what you do. The, it, the doing opens the ears to the saying. Amen? I mean, it, it's just the truth. Because we're so sectioned off. We're so separated. We're so individualistic on this planet. We don't see ourselves as part of a collective. Just this perspective of who God is. Let's put this slide up, 1 John 4, 18 and 19. This is in the Living Bible, and I love this translation. I've got this, uh, well, just 1 John 4, 18. This is like the foundational scripture in my little Good God booklet. If you've not read that, Make sure you pick one up. We have those in the bookstore. They're in our visitor packets. If you've ever wondered what's in the guest packet, we have one of the little Good God books and Good News booklets. And this one, this, the Good God one answers the question, why do bad things happen? The Good News one is the basic gospel. But read this. You know, when Jesus quoted the passage about fearing God, he changed the word to worship. We're not supposed to be afraid of God. We're to worship and reverence Him with awe and respect. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect, you know, this is in the King James that perfect love casts out fear. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what He might do to us. Now, this is right after the idea where it says that in the day of judgment, in the future, at the resurrection, when everyone is standing before the Lord and he separates the goats and the sheep and he gives you your eternal reward and you enter into eternity, at that great white throne judgment, you can be confident because in that day, just like now, as Jesus is, so are you. So when you're standing before the Lord, like if it, whatever, however it's going to happen, and we get there and we're all hanging out, maybe there will be a forward church bunch over there in front. You know, we'll probably have, we'll be on the front row, right? (laughs) I don't know. But But it's like, you can stand there and be confident, as confident as Jesus is before the Father. That's your homework this week. Go back and read that, 1 John, the end of 1 John 4. 17, 18, there is a weird bit about how slaves should behave. Thank God we've moved past that, amen. So, but people kind of attack Christianity. It's like, well, it's advocating slavery. No, not really. He's just telling people, whatever situation you find yourself in, this is how to best live, right? That doesn't mean it's okay. It's like homosexuality. If we work with people or we friends or whatever. It's like you're not condoning, but you're not, div- you're not throwing people away. That's a human life, you know? So anyway, put this back up. 
We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. See, if, if a difficult situation happens to you and you're sitting there wondering why God is allowing it or what you did for God to do this to you, you don't understand what love is. You still think that he's holding your sin against you. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. I mean, this is incredible. Now, yes, this is the living, so it's a bit of a paraphrase, but if you go to the original language, this is the idea that it's communicating. Basically, you don't have to be afraid of God. If you're afraid of him, you just, you just, aren't, you just don't know that he loves you. And we think, okay, well, I'm not afraid of him. But in your day-to-day life, this is what I, I want to address today. In your day-to-day life, are you actually choosing to trust God? Are you convinced of his character in every moment, in every situation? You know, we, we live our lives and we make some big old messes. You ever made a big mess? Are you in the middle of a mess that you might have made? Coming out. You can pull that down. You know, because we are so distracted by our circumstances, we miss how good God wants to be to us. And, And not just for us, but so that He is blessed, and so then we are a blessing to others. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to sow into you Himself. Because what will be produced is a harvest and a fruit that is a blessing to other people. But daily, are you letting him sow into you? Mike and I were talking about it this morning. You know, we're, we're so... It's weird because we want this instant gratification and we want that for the future. Right? It's like, right now I want this instant gratification, but we think of, but, but then there's this weird dynamic that, but I want what's coming tomorrow. And what my life's going to be like in 10 years, I want that now. You know, we, we, we're afraid of process. We're afraid to trust in the moment. But I'm telling you, I think a big reason why you're not experiencing now what you were believing for 10 years ago is because you didn't take the time daily to let God invest into you and shape you and your heart into the type of person that could receive now what you were expecting back then. Listen, what you are sowing daily into your life, daily, right? Like today, how you choose to respond to what's going on around you, how you choose to respond to your own thoughts toward yourself, how you choose to respond to those emotions that rise up connected to those circumstances, how you handle life today will determine what you'll let God do through you tomorrow. How you choose to handle life today is shaping how you see God and your dependence on Him and your trust for Him. So what is it daily that you're doing to let God sow His Spirit into your heart, to sow His provision into, to sow His promises into you. Because it will produce. 
But we think, well, God promised this, so one day it's going to come. I'm just going to kick back and wait for it to show up, and it never shows up. And the reason it doesn't show up is not because God is withholding. It's because you're not ready. And we've heard it, right? Usually associated with the rapture. Get ready. He's coming. Well, yeah, get ready. But not in the sense of get good enough or get your act cleaned up enough or get right with God enough. In other words, become holy enough and righteous enough in your own strength and then God will show up and bless you. It's like, no, the ready that we do is becoming clear of heart. Like the scripture that we read last week in Matthew where Jesus, I think it was 5.8, Jesus said, uh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Some of us aren't seeing God because we aren't pure in heart. And pure in heart doesn't mean you're really good at staying out of sin. It, it, it does include not letting sin dwell in your heart and in your mind and in your choices and affect your emotions. It does include that. But it's not talking about get good enough to please God, then God will show himself to you. It just means, like a garden, keep your heart weed-free, distraction-free. Yes, this world's going to have plenty that it's trying to sow into you, right? But how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to start worrying and let that stuff rise up? Worry is an indication that you're not convinced of God's love in that area. Fear is an indication that, that you don't really know God's love for you in that area. And he's not mad at you over it. He's just trying to nurture and encourage and give you freedom to continue to let him invest in you. And he does it by his grace. We are so free. We don't realize that this is a voluntary relationship. You know, God's in control is what you hear. It's like, well, he's doing a bad job. <laughs> if God were in control of your life and you were God, would you have some, done some things differently? I mean, I know I shake up the apple cart on that sovereignty stuff, but it's like <laughs> this message actually produces more responsibility than any other message. When you think about it, you have the responsibility. See, if you've got the mixed nature message, in other words, you still have that sin nature a little bit remaining in there, you've got an excuse for sin. Well, it's just, it's just who I am. I just worry that's just who I am. That's not who you are. That's how you are choosing to behave. Who you are is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are expected to live perfectly. So expected to live that way that God gives you the grace to empower you to do so. And when you don't, it's because you are not choosing to let His grace teach you and strengthen you to live that way. End of story. Are you following me? 
I mean, that's like full-grown Christian stuff right there. But, but it's, that kind of responsibility scares us for a few reasons. We don't understand what righteousness is. We don't understand that we are cleaned by God or by Jesus and are acceptable before him. We still have righteousness tied to our behaviors. I mean, the church just needs to get over that and understand sacrifice. You know, we've been talking on Wednesdays, and, and uh, Bruce um, said that last week when I said some things, there was kind of a screech moment, but then he thought about it, and it, the, the revelation that he had was Jesus really is enough. It really is all about him. Well, it sounds like you're giving people a license to sin, brother. <laughs> I do have a license to sin. I can do whatever I want to do. I just don't want to sin. God will absolutely still love me if I sin every day for the rest of my life. Now, there's no more sacrifice that I can go to appease him, but I'm that secure in him. That makes me want to keep my heart pure because I value what he's done for me and through me. I've got this thing in my mind I'm debating on if I should share it or not, and I might turn the microphone off to share this part, but... I'm just going to share it. Is that all right? You know, you will be criticized for painting this picture of God if you really grasp this and begin to communicate it. Um, There will be people that label you different things. It's in this community. And it only comes from religious leaders that throw around terms like hypergrace, which when people say hypergrace, what they think that they're saying is that we say you don't have to repent and you know that all that you can sin and all this stuff. And it's like you 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 just really don't get it. You're you're in your twenties in your understanding of the Spirit of God. Grow up. You seriously think that we're saying it's okay to sin. <laughs> but so this I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. there th- this label was being thrown around, and if you were to look at where the label came from, and the fruit, in the life of the criticizer, versus the fruit, and it's not that we're trying to compare. I'm just saying it's like, okay, let's get down to brass tacks here. Your walk has led you into this type of destruction. Let's talk about what kind of fruit really gets produced from this message. You trust God. You know that he loves you. You're free from all the religious junk that you got to do to make him happy. Well, you're supposed to live a life pleasing to God. (sighs) I want to do that. Don't you? 
But, but, but that's not what God, like God's not sitting there going, you better please me today. God doesn't need you to be holy for him. Think about this. What does God need from you? Does he need anything from you? No. Now, there are the factors that you cannot cohabitate with perfection unless you are perfect. And he knows that. So he made you perfect. He made you like him by living in you. He gave you every requirement that he needs from a human in Jesus because he knows you can't do it on your own. End of story. He is not then expecting you to do his part. He already knows you can't do his part. So he gives you that. And then daily he leads you and guides you in how to live in what he's given you. You know, I feel like, I feel like lately some of these messages, you, you, you guys know this stuff, but you have to break out the scalpel and, and go deep and, and kind of sharp in some areas so that you fine-tune how you're going to communicate this message. I feel like God is wanting the body to be prepared to communicate his gospel. The world is starving for the gospel. Your friends and family are starving for the gospel. They are. So don't think, well, I've heard that before. No, you need to continue to hear it because you need to be able to clearly communicate it. I remember um, when... My pastor, Jim, asked me to teach in his Bible school, and he's like my favorite teacher. And you sit and listen to him teach, and you're like, I'm, I'm a dummy. You know what I mean? It's like he's just, he's, just on a, he's just incredibly, you know, he's a gifted teacher. And so he asked me to teach in the Bible college, and, and I was feeling insecure about it. And, and just we were do, living our daily, day-to-day life, and we were walking, and Sarah and I, had, we were at the mall or something, and I remember walking past this art store, and there was a painting of, I don't even remember what it was, but on the bottom was a Chinese proverb, and it said, and, and I was thinking about the teaching thing in the moment, thinking, I don't know enough to teach, and then I look over, and this proverb says, to teach is to learn twice. I don't know where that came from, but it meant something to me in that moment. That's what teaching is. That's what communicating is. That's all it is, is you refining how you communicate these. And you start with yourself, how you, ref- how you clearly communicate this message to yourself in the mirror. And that's where the daily sewing comes in, because you need to be ready when you find yourself in a situation where God needs you to say something or do something for this person to be his hands and feet in that moment, what if every believer on the planet tomorrow morning woke up and did exactly what God would lead them to do? Think about that. What would happen? 
I think, I think the bottom line is um, what is it in your day-to-day life that, that you're doing or can do to be ready to be used by him? You know, the pure in heart will see God. When your heart is distraction-free, when you're, manage, when you're choosing what emotions you want to... You know, you're not a victim of your emotions. Your emotions are like signs along the road. You see a sign, you don't run into the sign. You know, you see a sign that says Noonan 10 miles, you don't go sit at that sign and think, I'm in Noonan. <laughs> you realize, no, that sign is telling me in 10 miles I'll be in Noonan. When that emotion of fear rises up, it's telling you in about 10 miles you're going to be in depression. Deal with it now. This worry, in about 10 miles from now, you're going to be... Choosing that sin, you're going to let that sin rise up in you. Deal with it now. It's the daily thing of preparing our heart to be empowered by His grace in the moment, and you act on it. I want to challenge you this week, and I'm going to do this every week for a while, so we'll get used to it, and you know we'll see what kind of testimonies come in. But this week at least one time, act on that little prompting. And it might just be with your spouse. It might be with your kids. It might be friends or family. It might be a stranger. It doesn't have to be a stranger. But step back in your mind of that self-centered focus. Act on a prompting to reach out to someone somehow. Just act on it. Will you do that? Raise your, lift your hand if you're going to do that. Everybody lift their hands. <laughs> there we go. Just, it's just so little, you know? It's like, it's like when you first start working out, you go to the gym and you're lifting these little rinky-dink weights and you're thinking, man, I'm never going to get there. But over time, you build that confidence and that strength and it grows and it's the same type of thing. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a, I can talk. Like Porky Pig, I'm evil, evil, evil. You know what I mean. <laughs> Let's do that, right? Let's act. And don't flip into your old hyper-charismatic mindset thinking that you've got to give them a word that's going to change their entire life and make everything all make sense to them. You're not that important. You're just a piece of the puzzle for them. They've got their own relationship with God. You just, you know, you're not the Savior. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can trust you. We don't want to limit you. And we are committed to being ready. We are committed to being distraction-free in our hearts. We are committed to managing our emotions in such a way that we're not overshadowing your leading and your voice. We're committed to putting your word in our hearts, to meditating on your word to the degree that it shapes how we see things, that it changes how we see the world. God, we want to see the world through the filter of your word, through the filter of your promises, through the filter of your character, through the filter of your love for people. We trust you. We trust you, Lord.
And if you've never said yes to him, just tell him, I trust you, Lord. I don't know that I understand everything. But I'm willing to believe, Jesus, what you did is for me. I receive you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.